0: Welcome to Doers, where ideas are cheap and doing is everything. At the end of the day, the world comes down to two different kinds of people, the people who do stuff and the people who watch others do stuff. This is where I get to interview those who do stuff. I'm your host, Zach Slayback, and every week I talk to different people, different entrepreneurs, investors, artists, thinkers, intellectuals, people doing interesting things, building the world in which you and I live and learn about what they're doing, how they got started doing what they're doing, and any advice they might have for somebody who's listening along and thinks, that sounds interesting. I'd like to live the life that that person is doing. So welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. And let's get started. rebellion Report at four in the morning For photos containing forceps Look, it's dissection Loud noise without direction This music is infection Festering on my reflection A generation full of kids Who can't accept rejection But there's a difference They can't accept I won't accept I refuse to be a part of something Where I'm losing So I'm jumping on this movement The teachers become the students And I feature freedom of speech I release, retreat or be, beat My principles align with old school, see that's why I'm it. Yeah, if you wanna get it, you gotta do it A handout is just an expectation in the future So my stationary keeps me from being stationary Words are revolutionary, change a station will make me famous I'm going one by one and picking through your brain See my vision is revision, tell me if you feel the same Listen all right well we're adjusting the microphone sitting here actually in person with sherba mate or yerba mate if you are for all you uh basic bitches out there uh you can drink your yerba mate while you do your acro yoga uh Yeah, I'm just trying to think of more things that fall into that stereotype. And and welcome! This is how I open the show, insulting someone who's listening to the show. So I hope you have a uh, fantastic day today. I'm back this week with Ethan Benz, who joined me last week. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, go listen to it. Ethan had to bounce last week, so we committed to continuing our discussion on uh, hip-hop, getting started in music... A uh, bunch of different things related to that while we were in Buenos Aires. So, hello from Buenos Aires as well. Ethan, say hi. Hola from Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah. I, I speak like no Spanish, so I was here a couple days. Um, I booked this trip for myself back in December. and Because I kind of looked at a map and I was like, okay, where is the furthest away from where I am now that I can reasonably go... That I won't get kidnapped, stabbed, or die of some kind of disease in. And there were like three places that popped up on the map. And uh, Europe is honestly really quite boring. Uh, And I don't know if Europe passes the kidnapped, stabbed, or disease (laughs) requirement anymore. So, depending on where we are in Europe. Um, So, Argentina came up. I was like, okay, I'll do that. And uh, by coincidence, Ethan visited Argentina a couple weeks ago. And uh, we were talking, and we figured, oh, why don't we go at the same time? So, well, let's just jump into the meat of the discussion. You said last week that you could have a whole discussion around race and hip-hop. Oh, yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to force you to have that discussion. Oh, I love having this discussion. Okay, cool. So I'm going to let you guide the discussion since it's apparently one that you've had before. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, how do we get in? How do we start into this? All right. First off, I don't th- it's no secret, right that well the, for the listeners, Ethan, you are white I am very white, you're white. Yes, you might I'm actually white. be whiter than me. Uh, it's close. yeah right now I'm pretty tan. But, yeah, yeah I'm very white. Um, I grew up middle class, I felt no violence like nothing like that, right? Um, so so you aren't a young black man from the hood. For lack of a better term, yes. Um, the issue is in music that typically you have older white men taking advantage of young black men and women, and putting them into and we alluded to this last time. Yeah, uh, putting them into very long contracts with very horrible terms mm-hmm. and very low pay, essentially. So, who are these these older white men who are taking advantage of these? Younger black men and women. A&Rs, record label execs. What's an a and A&R stands for Artisan Repertoire. It's the person who actually signs people to the label. Okay. So, say, for example, on Interscope, right? Um, and, of course, not all, not all labels are like this, and not all A&Rs are like this. Right. Right. But, um, historically, and on a very general level, on an industry level, this yep. is what happens. These are the things that happen. The internet has changed a lot of it. Uh, you have guys, like Chance the Rapper... We, I think we talked about him last time. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, independent, okay. very business-minded, right? Okay. Um, Keeps the majority of his money. So, yeah. So, on the financial side of things, that's sort of what happens, right? Well, I imagine... So, let's back up a little bit and, like, we'll paint the picture, right? right? So, this whole discussion, the assumption is that these people who are being taken advantage of, they're probably coming from poverty, right? Mm-hmm. They probably don't have... Uh, a lot of connections in the music industry right. and this is viewed as, you know, if you've ever seen a movie about hip hop, it's not unrealistic for some of these people or it's not, um, it's not out of the norm for someone who's seriously considering this, that this is like one of their ways out of poverty. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, you'll, you hear rappers say this all the time, right? Rappers who are discussing what it was like, what it was like for them growing up, mm-hmm. which is either play ball or make music. Okay. That, those were the only ways out. Like, like play professional sports. Play basketball, football, etc. Right? Yeah. And so, again, let me preface this on saying that I'm not like the the be-all end-all of racial interaction in music, of racial interaction in general. This okay. is just these are just like from what I'm seeing from oh, what yeah. I've yeah. learned and heard from from other people as well, right? Now this is so, the kind of discussion that I think is one that a lot of people don't get to hear about because it's one of those things you have to be you have to have passed some kind of barrier to entry yes. at the end of the industry, yes. And it's probably one that a lot of people don't like talking about as well, right? Right. Um, yeah. That's yeah. Why yeah, I wanted to have it <laughs> exactly. So and right. So the thing with it is, is if you're not interacting, and I'm just going to come out and say it, if you're not interacting with black people consistently, and if you're not interacting with people of different socioeconomic statuses than you have consistently, yeah, a lot of these issues are just not going to be. Realistic to you, on top of you needing to be already plugged into the music industry, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, and so while they might not be in your face, um, they're still real issues, right? So, right, it's like anything else, right? So, so we have we have people who they view this as one of the, one of the ways that they're able to get out mm-hmm. of uh, the community in which they were raised, lift themselves up by their bootstraps, live out the American dream. And someone comes along and says, you know, kid, you got a real talent here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I imagine this guy kind of like big cigar in his mouth, yeah. pinstripe suit. He's got like the fedora <laughs> on. You know, kid, you got a real talent here, right? You're going to be a star. You're going to be a star, kid. Yeah. Um, and so they, they tell them that, hey, I can, I can help get your music out there. I can get it distributed, right? Yep. Um, and I have very... My entire model mm-hmm. of the music industry is really from you, yeah. So I don't really have m- and much. And you of the do though, going because out. it's very similar to the book industry. Okay, so entertainment in general follows the same lines, right? Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much the the general idea of it. The thing is that so where where along the line are they actually like taking advantage of them? That's a very very good question. Okay, because that's like the crux of the whole conversation, right? and so this is this is abstracting even from the racial component of it but um you have, you'll have guys that have no experience in the music industry that are in no better position than you are as a young artist mm-hmm. offering to help you offering to manage you mm-hmm. offering to uh be a part of your team, right? To get your music out there, the phrase you use is actually the perfect one. Uh, to to get, your yeah, get your music out there, let's get your music out there, right? Um That's like again with book writing. Shows, people right? are like, so, oh, let's get let's let's get your book out there. Let's yeah. get your writing out there, right? Right. And, and so these guys can be like guys down the street, like who have never been outside the city. Well, didn't no you tell me that one of the story. guys that you'd interacted with, yeah, has Honor a to manage me, yeah guy? yeah has a PhD. Oh, yes, this guy. <laughs> and, like, I, I don't know. I I am... Anyone who is familiar, has been a listener of this show, or has read any of my writing knows that I'm not the most impressed person based on credentials. However, I think that the idea of having a... What, what was it the PhD even in? Exactly. Right? Like, right, I, I, exactly. I, I think that your music manager having a PhD makes him sound worse. He sounds like some failed academic. Right, and... Whether he actually had the PhD, obviously is up for debate, and was a duly like This was buy and, on the internet. Yeah. By the way, this guy was not my manager. <laughs> I would have never let this happen. But I was in a scenario. But this was a guy that you interacted with. Yes, exactly. And He's so, with, so with a friend of mine. Yeah. With, the, with the conversation on race in the music industry, you can imagine someone like this swooping in and being like, "Look, I've got you know an MBA or something, and in, and right. in, um, you know publishing management or whatever it's called." Um, I can get you out there. look at all my fancy credentials. These are the people I know, and by people they know, they mean like I've stood in the same room yep. as this guy once. Yep, right. At best, so, yeah. Or send him an email and he never responded. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it, this is what you're dealing with a lot of a lot of times, and a lot of times, artists, artists, and musicians, and writers, and any type of person in a creative profession or has asper who has aspirations to be in a creative profession. Um, they want a business guy, quote unquote, to come along and take care of all that stuff for them. So they don't have to think about it and they can just, they're the creative, right? Right. Yeah. The issue is that if you look at the most successful people, um, in the music industry, in movie industry, whatever. And again, we can debate on, well, what really is success? But if you look at the most popular people who are worth the most money, um, all of them are very business-minded. Right. Right. All right. of them... Like, you can't just outsource that to somebody else. Exactly. All of them love to have complete control over their craft. Their craft also includes how it is marketed. Right. How it is published. Who is Who are the people interacting with this music? So this right? is one of those things that, uh, in, in many cases, from the outside looking in, it's obvious. Like, oh, this person's getting scammed or yeah. this person is a scammer. But when you're actually... On the ground floor, when you're that person and you don't have a second set of eyes looking in and verifying these things yes. for you, it's really, really hard to tell. Extremely right? tough and, and things are moving quickly and you need to you need to get yes. money rolling in and you need to, you know, feed your family, you yeah. need to get out of where you are. Right. So what is like the telltale sign? Is there one that this person is here to rip you off? Yeah. From my perspective, it's been the Fast talking, right? Guarantees. Um, Actually, the more that I think about it, and this could just be like human bias toward negative experiences. Mm. I don't know that I've had many interactions with people who I wasn't unsure of their motives. Okay. What what do you mean? Elaborate. Yeah. Thinking back, and, and again, this is off the top of my head. There have been really, really amazing people in music that I've met um, interacted with and had friendships with, but at the same time, um, since it is such a competitive industry, everyone is everyone's still kind of looking out for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think this could be abstracted to just humanity in general and, and individualism, right? And, and people in general, but um, for some reason, it just seems to attract. <laughs> it seems to attract not great people a lot of the time. Well, like we were talking about the analogy that. Um, one of the things I have seen is, especially in college campuses or in similar environments where you have uh, first-time entrepreneurs, especially mm-hmm. tech entrepreneurs, yep. MBA students will flock to them like flies. Yeah, and, right. I, and I'm not saying that there, there isn't necessarily any sort of like malicious intent on the MBA students' part. Yeah. But you know, one of the things that um, you and I are involved in on mm-hmm. CMU's campus, I've seen this, uh, where – you're standing around trying to promote what you're doing, right? Like, buy my mixtape, right, right? Exactly. <laughs> and somebody comes up and they're like, ah, I, sir, am an MBA. <laughs> yes. Do you need a business partner? Here's right. my business card. I go to Tepper, Wharton, yeah. Kellogg, whatever. I can write a business plan. I can write a business plan. Yeah, a temp- yeah. From a template on the internet. Right, from, you... a, from a template I downloaded. Yeah. yeah I can I can do a, a 70-page pitch deck that's great for Deloitte or Coopers. But isn't actually going to help you. Right Uh, here, give me a third of your company. Is it like that? It's a lot like that, and it's worse than that to be honest, because there's less money in it. It takes a for a tech startup. Well, there isn't a lot of money in a tech startup if you if you give a third of your company away. Very true, like that. But it's it's easier to get funding than it is to get signed, and they're essentially the same thing. Okay, when you think about it, right? Somebody's giving you money, and they're getting money on the back end. Because they think it's going to make more money, but but it's they're getting like revenue sharing, right. not not like equity. Yes, but in a in a sense, they are getting equity, one hundred percent equity of your music. You don't own your music when you're signed to a major label. So they buy your music, they buy the rights <laughs> to your a, music, they own your masters. Okay, so if you gave somebody a free copy of your music, you are committing um, fraud or ah. fraud. You're because Obviously, because like you. Warner because Brothers or someone actually owns it. Completely correct. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. You give the rights away to your music in most cases. Of course, every deal is going to be different, right? But the standard "quote unquote" three hundred and sixty deal, um, which is the standard for a new artist, three hundred and sixty of the pie, right? Every every um, aspect of the pie: touring, merchandise. Music sales, of course. So you're selling the rights to your music, to your creative endeavors. Yes. And you are like the minority shareholder in this case then. The very minority shareholder. Huh. Interesting. You yep. can't like buy them out? You can if you're in a position of power. Dre did it with The Chronic. How did he do how, that? How, what what, so, what, what does a position of power in this case mean? If... You have enough money to do it, right? So it could be like anything. Like if you're want, if you renting a property and you want to buy the property, right? you can buy it if you have enough money. But Dre had to make his money through another means? Yeah, okay. So backstory on it. Okay. Um, Dre was on Death Row. Okay. Label owned by Suge Knight. Okay. Uh, do you know Suge Knight? I know. I know of Suge Knight. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I do not know Suge Knight Shug Shug I like, either. Yeah, my, friend, I know uh, of... my friend TK, who has yet to be on, TK yeah. knows Suge Knight. Personally. Uh TK was at a uh oh, he was man. at a gas station. <laughs> uh, in, LA. To, in LA. Cool. Uh, I have to have TK tell the story at some point, but TK was at a gas station, uh filling up his car, uh and Suge pulls up with, you know, his squad, right? Yeah. And uh TK's like, Oh shit, that's Suge Knight. Oh and he like Kind of, like, says hi and, like, yeah. tells him, like, what he's doing at Praxis. Okay. He says, and Suge says something like, you know, that that's, like, some dope shit or something, yeah, right. right? And uh, we were, we've always, we, oh, the Praxis team always thought, oh, that's, that's a good endorsement to put on the website, right? <laughs> uh Tested audio from Suge Knight. yeah yeah yeah. Dope shit. I, yeah, if you're not, if you're not familiar with Suge Knight, which I was not until I heard this story, um, just, just. Go read his Wikipedia page. Um. Interesting (laughs) Interesting guy. Interesting guy. Yeah. So then TK uh, drives away because he's like so excited and scared and terrified uh, that he just ran into Shug Knight uh, and then realizes he didn't fill up his car. So he has to go back. Suge <laughs> still there? Please tell me still there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I, I was scared I'm before. Yeah. Now I'm back. Ah, that, with Sug there and his squad. Oh, that sounds fun. Anyway, so Dre yeah. was on death row—not yeah. actually death row, but the label. Yeah. With Suge Knight, yes, Suge Knight is the owner. Uh, Dre's on death row. Dre's first album, The Chronic, absolute classic, right? Um, sells millions and millions of records. Death Row got to the point where it was so bad, uh, where it was so corrupt, so so much crime was going on within the label itself. Yeah, like again, you watch the uh, the movie straight out of Compton. Yeah, right, right, um, and that sort of goes into it a little bit. Right, but it was so bad that Dre was like, "I need to get out of this, and I'm willing to give up my masters to mm-hmm. it. I'm willing to give up my piece of the pie for this." Okay, so he left, started his own label, Akronath so he didn't get killed. under. Regarded, yeah. Kinda, yeah. Under his own, he started his own label, Aftermath, under Jimmy Iovine's label, Interscope, and Interscope the rest of it sounds like a tech company that's in like office space. I'm sorry, that's right. He know, It sounds terrible. Okay, so he, so he started another label while he was in another label. Mm. I'm sorry, I'm trying to figure out how he was able to buy out who he sold the masters to. 'Cause it sounds as like as far as I know he didn't buy his he still has not he oh, does not I have the message. Okay. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. no. Hmm. He left the label. If okay. I did say that, that was my okay. mistake and okay. I didn't mean that. He left the label um, and gave gave up all revenue from the chronic. Okay. The chronic is still not on Spotify. Okay. Right? So, um, yeah, he was he was willing to get out of that scenario because it was such a bad situation. He was willing to give up millions and millions of dollars to do it. So if somebody is, you know, an up-and-coming yeah. young musician, uh, musical performer of some kind, and the fast-talking striped suit guy yeah. from New York or from Pittsburgh yeah. comes in and tells him, "Like you're going to be a star, kid." Uh-huh. Um, you know, when you're in a position of desperation like that, where that's the first real close thing to like a real mm-hmm. option on the table. It seems really, really appealing to people, right? Very appealing. And, and right, so if you think, if, if you put yourself in this situation, if you think it through, right, which is, and even in my situation where I have relatively, like, a lot of things going on and I'm confident in my ability to do. And you're, like, self-aware and you're aware of these things, these people. Yeah, right. It's still sometimes tough because you're, like, I love this so much. I want to do this. Right. This is what I want to do. And I want, and I'm essentially willing to do whatever it takes to be able to do this as my main source of income, and not have to work a job. Right? Um, it's tough sometimes because you're like, I really want to believe this, right? But but then like the rational part of your brain takes over. In some cases, it doesn't. Right. So so, what advice do you have to someone who like there's that thing in the back of their head saying yeah. this isn't right. This listen, is too listen, good to be true, yeah. or something like that. Listen to the thing. Talk to older people. Talk to older people. What if you don't know anyone who's older who's in yeah. that industry? Look, at, like, read about... Actually, here's what you do. Read Donald Passman's book, All You Need to Know About the Music Industry. All You Need to Know About the Music yes. music Industry. It's the de facto textbook of the music industry, okay. as the name would imply. I think you mentioned it in the last episode. I may have, yeah. yeah. It's a little bit dense. It's a little bit technical, and it's sort of like mathy in places, but... It's, it's really incredible. But you don't need to like really get the Matthew section. No, you don't. I think there's like basically a section of the book where he's like, "This is what's going to happen to you." Right. <laughs> this is what you need to be on the lookout for. Okay. Um, read blogs. Uh, Wendy Day is a very good. Um, she is a very good blog. She responsible for negotiating m ms deal. Oh wow. For negotiating uh Cash Money's deal. So, okay. Like, little way, right? So like what's what's the difference between her and some of these people that you're talking about? What does she I think she's just a genuinely good-hearted person. She, oh wait, do you mean Yeah, like what is what she? What does she do? Yeah. She now she's more of like a consultant. Okay. Um she's sort of a like a brand consultant, I guess. An evangelist. <laughs> kind a kind tumbler yeah. evangelist? No, not like that. Okay. Um, Sorry. She, yeah, she, she fights for the rights of artists. Okay. So you hire her and she's like your negotiator. Yep. Pretty much. Okay. Um, she actively, actively says that you should not get a record deal in today's day and age. She's like, don't do it. Okay. So it's not a good idea. Right. So you're, you're a young person who someone's coming along. They're clearly trying to take advantage of you. Yeah. You tell them, no, thanks. How do you get ahead? Yeah. Without a record deal. The internet probably is going to be my answer to that. The internet But how on the internet? Like, okay, to say the internet's great is one thing, but like what are the actual steps that you should take, Ethan? Yeah. First off, get good at music. Like since Since it's so saturated because of the internet, right? Right. It needs to stand out. So so I, the, like, the, the ability to get ahead is much Is very increased, but the market's also saturated, right? So the I mean, you see this again. Self publishing as well. Of course, the there's a billion. There's a billion books on Amazon Kindle that are like free, and you know, eighty to ninety five percent of them suck. I think there's um, a statistic I remember reading that within the past couple of years, one year only, Oh man. I'm gonna butcher the statistic, but a very small number of records sold more than a thousand records. Something on the order of like ninety seven to ninety nine percent of albums did not sell more than one thousand. More than thousand. You know, I think that's accurate. I've um you know, one of the Look the statistic up, you'll find it. it, One of the people who I uh one of the people who was actually a huge boon to me selling my first book, The End of School, uh, is an author named Tom Woods. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom has said, and he's like a podcaster and everything, he's a historian, he said, you know, take the number of books you think I've sold, knock a zero off of it, then knock another zero off of <laughs> it. Right. right. That's probably the inaccurate number of how many yeah. books I've sold. Right. Um, that, that's what it's like for even like bestsellers. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't take a lot. So, for example, on uh, Billboard's Heatseekers chart, which is like obviously you know, like Billboard charts, which are most played, most sold um, records, right? Um, Billboard Heatseekers chart, I believe, and this isn't a hard number, but it's about if you get 500 singles sold in one week, that's enough to be on the chart. Wow. Right. So, Uh, not a lot. Yeah. Not a lot. Interesting. Yeah, not a lot. Okay. Okay. So, get good. Yeah, get good. Learn, read about marketing read about business read about human psychology in general or like music marketing in particular you can read about music marketing the problem is that everyone else is reading reading about music marketing yes but also that like the material on it is so general that it's very tough to apply okay. honestly what i think the best thing to do is is sort of do your own case studies okay look at the artists that you admire and try and f- try and figure out and break down what they've done. Model them. Model them. Which? How far away? Like, when I say how far away, I mean, so an artist you admire. Like, are we yeah. talking Wiz Khalifa? Or are we talking a guy who's just breaking out now? Like, who? Every and all. Every and all. Like, for me at least, I read. Like, I love reading about now famous artists, beginning days. Okay. Um, I love, yeah, and I love finding, so for example, on a blog Pigeons and Planes, really great music blog. Um, they showcase artists who are releasing their first song, but they're also showcasing like your Mac Miller's, your Kendrick's, right? Um, how, how long does it generally take for someone to get ahead in music? Because so saying... the, the, the saying is that, oh, this person was an overnight success. Yeah. Well, it was a long night. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's always bullshit. Right. Yeah. Uh no one is ever in, in no, success. No. If you really like Unless you're it, catch me outside girl. Yep. Um she she was. If you and Rebecca Black, Friday. Uh but I I don't know. Is, does she still make music? I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. I heard that song on the radio not the radio, someone was playing it the other day and I was just like, ah, that's a flashback to like eleventh grade. Yeah. Actually, um I believe his name is Jonah Berger. He's the writer of a book called Contagious. Um, yeah do you know that book I've heard of it he's a Wharton professor and uh, he uses Rebecca Black's Friday as an example um, for for basically reminding for having signals and cues in your product so guess what day of the week that song got the most plays Monday come on (laughs) (laughs) Friday right obviously right so every week you would notice a big spike right so um, but there's another example Reading about marketing in general, reading about business in general. voting in those little mimetic cues where you can into your marketing. Right, and I think we've talked about this off-air, but knowing, knowing about a lot of different things relating to your craft can sometimes influence your craft. Examples? Uh, mixing, mixing music. So, like, knowing I have this plugin that can do a certain effect, I might write a lyric differently because I'm like, ooh, I could use this effect mm. on this. Lyric. Good point. Yeah. Right. Um, stuff like that. But I feel like we got a little bit off track. No, 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 no. Yeah, we're not off track. track. No, the, the topic here to go back to. We opened up the discussion talking about you know the race discussion, yeah. which came back to people taking advantage of you in the music industry. Which I'd like to get. I'd like to go to a different perspective of the race thing. I want to I wanna finish this discussion if someone is listening and they know that someone is trying to take advantage oh, yeah, of them. Good, good, good. How do they get ahead? So you said use the internet yeah. get good at music yeah. start reading about marketing start reading about music uh, start reading about all these things, uh, human psychology yeah. ways to break out, to catch on, then what? And God do I hate this term and it's going to sound a bit paradoxical but Network. I really hate the word networking. You need to have business cards. You need to wear a suit and tie. That'd be kind of funny if you did. (laughs) I hate. Hello, my name is Ethan. Right. (laughs) Hello, my my name is Ethan. I'm a hip hop artist. Hi, my name is Slim Shady. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. (laughs) So anyway, um, yeah, just trying to meet people. Um, where do you meet them? And again, this is where it's going to sound paradoxical local concerts, local venues. Well, the thing I've learned, and again, this is my parallel, uh, coming over from, and just talking to, talking to everyone. Well, this just is my parallel coming over from the business world Yeah, go ahead. is I've learned that much with people who are mentors. If anyone calls themselves a mentor, like yeah. before you refer to them that way, yeah. you should run from them. Yep. Like someone who's like, I want to mentor you. Yeah, right. I don't keep, keep away from them. Um, similarly, like, things that are called networking things you should stay away from and and i guess music is a little bit lucky in that regard because they don't at least as far as i know they're really like this big music networking event i guess maybe stop by oh they're like network in the business world they're like networking pyramid schemes yeah right it's right and to me like it's just corny like it's corny it's manufactured it's forced like i want nothing to do with it so so you're saying go to concerts yeah talk to people Talk to what if people at concerts. like. I've been to like three concerts in my life. Okay. so And I, you know what? It's really funny you say that because up until my first show, I was at one concert <laughs> before that. There was a meme going around. You're not really on social media, but for like a week, people were posting like 10 of these concerts are concerts or bands I've seen one is a lie which of which one is the lie I'm like holy crap you people have seen nine live like prominent (laughs) bands jeez I've seen like I've seen one that's semi-prominent and when I saw them they really weren't Mm -hmm. that was it yep that's pretty much it I think that's it yeah so sorry total total aside there so who who are you networking with at this at this concert other attendees? Do you try to make yeah. your way backstage? Do you talk to the guys in the video? Yeah, in like so the the are, booths? Okay. So, yes. Sound guys, uh, bartenders, venue owners. Right? Anyone who's working <laughs> there. Yeah, because, again, like, and this is just a general principle. If people like you, they're going to help you, mm-hmm. typically. Um, if the venue owner really likes your sound, that really likes your music, then they might give you a show. Hmm, wow. Just give you one. Yeah, and this is a very... This is another... It sounds expensive. No, not really. Not to them. Oh, um, kind of, but they sell alcohol. Okay, oh, okay. Right. Okay. So, right. Um, but, yeah, so live music is a different... A whole different beast as well, because what you'll have is these promoters who say, okay, sure you can open up for this artist, buy all these tickets and then sell them and try and recoup your costs. Oh, okay. Yeah. It sounds inconvenient. Pay to play. Yeah. Yes. Uh, there's another perfect example of just like, well, if you like my music, then why why am I now in the business of reselling tickets? Right, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like a lot of pyramid schemes, man. A lot of pyramid schemes for small amounts of money. Hmm. In the grand scheme of things. Okay, so you go to the concert, you network, then what? Yeah, um... And... Like Just start performing. <laughs> yeah, you network and then like you run up on stage, take the guy's microphone from him, like <laughs> that's not know, what I meant. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, like no, no no no, but like you, you get you know, one of the venues decides to let you actually Yeah, you go for a small venue and and see how an audience reacts to your music. Mm. Um, something that I've done, which is if you see an artist that you like, and typically all this stuff only works with like people that you genuinely like their music, people that you genuinely like as people. I feel like the, and again, that's why I hate the word networking so much because it's just like, Hmm, I like you because you can do something for me. Now let me see what you can do for me. Right. 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 So, um, what's I going to say? Damn it. So you're there. Um, you've networked. Oh yeah. yeah. One thing that's, that's worked for me is artists that I actually like just email their managers. If they're coming to your city and say, hey, if, if how, the artist is, yeah, if the artist is coming to your city to perform, um, does the manager usually travel with them?
1: It just no. depends. No. If they're
0: big enough, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and say, essentially, hey, can I perform? Can I open for this artist? Mm. Yeah, because you've opened yeah. for people, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. How did how did you do that? High res. In that case, I just contacted the promoter, uh, Dresky entertainment in Pittsburgh. They put on a ton of shows. Yeah. Um, And so let me think. One of the other things, like I recorded, I recorded my first EP at ID labs, which is like the hip hop studio in Pittsburgh. It's like where Wiz and Mac got their start. It's where they still record whenever they come back home. So ID labs is sort of like the de facto leader of like the Pittsburgh music scene. Right, okay, um, so just like going there and just talking to people, okay, was a big help, um, but yeah, like a lot of it, and a lot of it is just sort of luck, hmm. just like I met this person at this time, and we became friends, and then it just kind of kept going right, but if you do this enough, you're going to eventually get lucky, yep, yeah. right, right, and so yeah, 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 it's definitely there's definitely like an approach to it, a deliberate approach, but that's where like the the um, the the networking aspect of it comes in, right? Which is, it, of course, it has to be deliberate. Like for me, at least, I had I have to like get myself in that mindset of meeting new people, just based on my personality type. Um, but to yeah. so just do that enough, and you should be able to create some kind of momentum. Yeah, yeah, yep. That takes cool. you from from your basement to actually performing. Yep. Um, and then once you see how people react to your music and, and you feel people like you feel people feeling your music, it's, it's really fun. Mm. It's seeing something you've created and spent so many hours on. Um, and it could have been over a time period of a couple months. Right. But then these people are hearing it for the first time in two and a half minutes and not seeing two and a half to three minutes and not seeing all the work behind it. Right. And if they like it, it's like, wow, <laughs> it's like kind of incredible. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I, those are, I guess that would be my general tip to it would be, yeah. And try to help people out when you can, with what you can, if you're good at mixing and engineering and you see someone and you're like, I re I really like their music, even another local guy or girl. Right. And you're like, I like their music. Um, but I feel like I might be able to mix it better for them. Just be like, accumulate social capital. Yeah. Essentially, yep. um, without being manipulative. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, any, it's, anyone, it's not going to work, right? Right. In the long term, it's not a very, it's not a good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> Read the book "Give and Take" by Adam Grant. So you wanted to dog ear the conversation on race that so there was yeah. another point that you wanted to make there. What was that? So, so we've we've been talking about the perspective of young black people being taken advantage of, but. Then I sort of want to go into the the topic of young white people taking advantage of hip hop as well. Taking advantage of hip hop, of like yes. the institution of hip hop. Yes. Okay. And this is like a, I have no idea what direction this is going in. So <laughs> but this is, and this could be personal to me, but I've noticed even from other like white rappers of whom I really like, probably only one to be honest. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit biased in in that regard. But I've noticed from, like, other white rappers uh, that, like, there's sort of, like, this guilt with it. And I feel it myself, too. What what does the guilt extend from? White people have been the main consumers of hip-hop for probably 20 years, at least. Okay. For... And so, again, this is typically... And this isn't as much true today. But... um this is from people who they might not be able to relate to in any capacity and who, if they walked across the – or if they walked down the street with, would avoid eye contact and be afraid, right? Yet, they're buying their music and – so, so, black people you're, – what you're saying here because – let me just make sure I'm – There's a weird fetishization. So, with, white people are the primary consumers. Yes. But they're consuming it from people that they wouldn't even like necessarily sit down and get coffee with. Yes, exactly. Okay. And there's this weird fetishization with hip-hop. Um, and, and black people in general that Mm -hmm. I found among white people, like even especially actually at, at CMU Carnegie Mellon where I go to school, I have found like a lot of people will like rap yet they'll still use it as a way to like make fun of black people like young Hmm. thug, for example, like you can't understand what he's saying. Like mumble rap and it, and, and it sort of becomes like a. It's sort of like a minstrel show, the way, the way that 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 people that non Black people are looking at this. Well, didn't you know? And this would be an interesting point to, to pull on our friend Brandon on because he he actually recently took a course on like the history of music in the U.S. Yeah, um, and so this is all secondhand from him, uh, and I may be butchering this. So if someone if someone is much more aware of the history of music and is listening, please feel free to shoot me an email and tell me exactly wrong. Um, but a lot, a lot of music mm-hmm. follows that track. Yes. Um, which is, jazz is obvious. Jazz, rock and ja- roll. Jazz is really obvious. Yes. Rock and roll. Yes. Um, both of which come from music genres that the primary performances of them, when white people started catching on to them, were performed in blackface. Yes. Right? Literally to mock mm-hmm. black people. Yep. So this isn't all that unusual. No. It it, it, to- and that's the scary part. Okay. Right? And that's the part that gives me pause, which is like, am I contributing to something that I really don't want to be contributing to? Right. From my personal perspective, I love hip-hop. It's been my favorite genre since I was four or five. Um, and I want nothing to do with, with any of that. It seems to me that the difference here versus the history of jazz or the history of rock and roll mm-hmm. is in both of those cases, the people... From whom, like that, that culture was being appropriated. If we want to borrow that That's phrase. phrase, yeah. Um, the people from whom that culture was, was being appropriated, they were not able in any way mm-hmm. to profit from it, right? Um, like, what would happen is someone would come along, hear these, these this music of some kind on the plantation. Over time, that would eventually be adopted uh, and performed in the cities, right? And over time, that became jazz, or that became. Rock and roll in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think jazz is a little a little more, uh, the history of jazz, the communities from which it's derived, they maintain a lot more control over it. Sure. A lot more autonomy over jazz in particular. Um, but especially with rock and roll, you know, that that was just kind of taken. These people really weren't able to profit from it. Whereas like with hip hop, you know. Yeah, you get some stupid, snot-nosed kids at CMU who make yeah. fun of uh, the performers in it. Uh, but the reality is, you know, even if the, the deals are actually pretty crappy at the end of the day, like, people people are making money on it. The performers make money, right? In some cases. Well. Yeah. It, about it, the, it's better than about before, lesson. right? Yeah, of course. Right, it's better than before, but at the same time, of course, there's a lot of work to go. And so I guess just from my perspective is, it's tough sometimes, like, um, because, like, you get these weird feelings where you're like, where, like I said before, which is like, am I contributing to something that, that like, I really don't want to be contributing to? Um, Eminem has a song called White America that touches on this a bit, because Eminem... Is is so much more than a rapper. He's like a bona fide pop star, right? Yeah, he's a business magnate. He is best selling artist of past however many years, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so his case is a little bit different, but at the same time, like he he has stated before that's right in that song. He's like he literally says verbatim: "If I was black, I would have sold half <clears throat> half the company. No, I would have sold half the oh, records, half though. as have, many records. Yeah, okay." Right? Because huh. he because these kids see him and they're like, oh, he looks like me. And he's doing this cool thing. Right? But isn't it... I, know, I, I guess, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not in the hip-hop community. Because what I would say to that is, yeah, I, I definitely see that argument. But at the same time, too, I also see, like, he's kind of an anomaly. He's a prominent he, white rapper. Yeah, so he is... So he's kind of like a sideshow attraction in the same way. Sort of. But, yeah, a little bit. But with with him, with Beastie Boys, who he has said before are the reason why he was able to, are the reason why he was rapping. Okay. Right? Because he was like, oh, I can do this. He said the same thing that I just said. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so for me personally, basically, Eminem and Kanye West are why it only sounds halfway ridiculous when I tell people that I make hip-hop music. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, but – uh it, it's a interesting Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Again, I'm I'm coming from very much outside the space, but the problem is you describe it to me is more like with these snot-nosed students at CMU who it's, it's probably 20, have yeah. never walked through a black part of town. Yes. Um and you should probably just like pick them up and drop them off in the hill district. Right. Right. And, and so and that's the thing is like they they'll love the product of the music, right? They they'll love the music, they'll Dance to it at parties. They'll play. You know what I mean. Whenever they're getting turnt. Turnt. Yeah. Whenever they're turned. Turned. Turnt. Turnt. Yeah, but underneath it is underneath it is this layer of mockery, and you find it a lot. Which is like, is the mockery the motivation for why they like it, or is it a That's secondary? A really thing? good question. That's a very good question. Because if it's because. I don't know. It, it seems like one of these things, like criminal intent, right? Where if like the reason they like it is to mock it, then yeah, they're at the very least they're crappy people. Yeah. So I think I think part of it is if it's just a side effect of them liking it. I don't think so, honestly. I think what it is is it's sort of like a oh, this plays into a stereotype I have now. I, this is kind of funny, hmm. right? Hmm. Interesting. So how do you fix it? How do you fix race relations in the hip-hop world, oh Ethan? And again, I'm I'm probably not the person to be... <laughs> You're the one who brought it up, though. I, I want to ask you the question. I, I <laughs> I'm not going to let you get away. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think empathy.
1: Okay, empathy, what does empathy. that mean?
0: That, that's such a... Ah, that's such a... Ah, empathy. Empathy. That's such, like, a hashtag keyword yeah. nowadays. Like, what do you actually mean by that? What what, what, what do people do besides, like, feeling... like? If I've never walked through the hood, if yeah. I've never even driven through the Hill District, yeah. then I don't know what empathy with, these, with with someone in that position, what that means. Yeah. Then interacting with people. Okay. You'll find you'll find as many people who hate hip-hop who you think would like hip-hop and as many people who like hip-hop who you think would hate hip-hop, right? Okay. Um, interacting with a lot of different type of people, I think, honestly, is, is probably the cure for it. And realizing and by different types of people, you mean people who don't look like you. That that too, but also people who don't look like you, maybe in the clothes that they wear. People who don't look like you with what's in their bank account, right? Not necessarily just race. Right? I'm not saying just race. Okay, I'm saying people who don't look like you, right? But I guess the you know gas attendant could put a suit on and he might look like me. You're not wearing a suit, exactly. No, um, but yeah, you could. I think what it is is interacting with different types of people of race, socioeconomic status. Um, But at the same time, like catching yourselves in these, when you're in these situations. Um, And this is also something that I struggle with a lot because, (laughs) and and we're getting into another touchy subject, is when you hear white people rapping along with their favorite song and you know what word's coming up. (laughs) and, and, And here they go to say it and there it is, right? What word is that? Ethan. The infamous N word. Okay. Yeah. It's and and you like I swear to God, and this is because I'm white, so like other white people think like, oh wait, I can say it in front of I can say it in front of all these white people and it's gonna be fun. White people love any excuse to say the N word. They're looking for any and every excuse to say the N word that they can and like get away with it. I think that's a sweeping statement. Of I course mean, it is, I don't know. it has to be. I don't know if I... Okay. Yeah, I I feel like it's like... I don't know. So we were watching... uh, Was this in the first or second episode of the Silicon Valley season that we were watching last night, the new season? I think it was in the first episode. So uh, the CEO... You know, spoilers. The CEO leaves his company and his assistant Jared says, like, we can can talk about guy stuff like (laughs) sports teams and their scores... And a phrase that refers to the objectification of women. Right. And it's like – it's presented like very – if you have children listening to this right now, have them leave. But he he says, uh, you know, we can talk about sports teams and their scores and pussy. Right, it's just like said like that, it's like yeah. kind of like, eh, like yeah. kind of forced, exactly. And I feel like that's the same with with yeah, what of, we're talking about here, right? Bit. It's it's always forced. Yeah, I don't know. So you get people to visit people who aren't like them, see people who aren't like them. Where do they do that? Yeah, see, and here's the other problem with it is then that that sort of plays into the fetishization of it, right? And and like it's not like a zoo, right? So. Um, a lot of people will, like, so Compton is famous within the music industry. Right. So people, so like white people go visit Compton. Because that's where Dre's from. That's where Kendrick's from, right? And now there's the movie. Right. Right. And so. But it becomes like a sideshow exhibit. Right. And it's like, come on, man. Like there are people living here and they're like, they have families and they're working and they're trying their best. Right. So yeah, they're it's just like trying to get on with their day. Yeah. And it's like, here you are with your camera. Like, oh man, like, look at these, like, look at this. Right. Hey. So did we, did, again, it's like something to say. I don't know. I'm, I'm not gonna let you get away with this. It's something to say that I should go see people who don't look like me. I know, who, and that's what I'm saying. This is why it's such a tough. This th- you, your your answer just does not have teeth to it. I even. know. That's what I'm saying. Like in, I don't have the <laughs> houseway. Oh. You don't got the answer, sway. That's what I'm saying. That's why it's so tough. But I like, do what, what kind of I, places? What kind of places should people go to to see this? Should they go to like? Different, you know, um, different artists that perform who normally yeah, don't perform I guess in their so. community. I guess so. And and the thing is, like, again, if you go to hip hop shows and you'll see, you see, uh, probably the one off the top of my head that I can think of, Kendrick, for example. He's like in a recent recent interview, which for him isn't that recent because it doesn't give many interviews. But within the past couple of years, he's like whenever he performs and he sees the crowd, 85%, 90%, 95 percent white. He's like. It it like trips him out, right? Because he's like, I don't come from this. Like, we've had completely different experiences. Like, I'm not. I didn't even make the music for you, but you relate to it, right? So, I really, I honestly can truly say I don't have a great answer to this. So, what we learned there is an answer. I think. I think there maybe the intent with it is the is the difference. So we learned in today's episode that race relations are hard. Groundbreaking. <laughs> who knew, who, <laughs> who knew healthcare could be so hard? Oh gosh. <laughs> who knew healthcare could be so hard? Yeah. And I know. It, and again, like, I guess it's having these discussions. Maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I really don't have great answers to these things nobody uh, does. Yeah, I haven't I haven't it's read It's such a tough issue. I haven't read any articles on related I don't read really articles on this yeah. topic. But I haven't read a lot I have not read any articles on the general topic of race relations where I've walked away feeling like that is a great solution. Yeah. Let us implement that. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I like it's undoing thousands of years of of history, right? Which is probably not going to happen in a year. Um, or, in our, a, or in our 50-minute conversation, right? Especially that. Watch Jane Elliot. I have no idea Elliott? who's Jane Elliot. Jane Elliot is. She was a school teacher. Okay. She's the creator of the blue eyes brown eyes experiment. Uh, I've heard about this. Yes. Can you can you run over that real quick? What is so, it? So basically, um, it's showing white people what it's like to be not white. Okay. And she's a white woman How, herself. how, how, how does she do this? Um, I don't know if she does it anymore. But, she but how did to, she do it? Right. What she would do is have people sit in a room, have blue-eyed people, and have brown-eyed people. Mm-hmm. She would separate them into groups and just for hours, hours on end... Just get after the blue-eyed people. Have all the brown-eyed people be like, "Oh, we're the we're the majority, and we're like the high-class society, and you blue-eyed people are no good. You can't do anything, no matter what." The blue-eyed and what's amazing is you have the blue-eyed people, and Zach, of course, you're blue-eyed, right? But I'm green-eyed. Really? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, I, um, I'm an even <laughs> even greater minority, <laughs> yeah, right? So, but it's amazing. What's amazing about it is you will have these. You'll have blue-eyed people, like, arguing against her when they've signed up for this course on... That they knew that they'd be discriminated that against. That they knew that they would be discriminated against. Huh. It's incredible. Yeah, I've, I, I... Watch... I maybe we'll watch it tonight. Because it's it's really, really good. I love it. We've got a couple hours until Silicon Valley comes exactly. on. Exactly. So. Let's definitely watch it. Um, Interesting. Just search her on YouTube, Jane Elliott, and watch it. It's really good. Well, Ethan, well, Zachary, Ethan, thanks for joining me. (laughs) Hey Zach here. Thank you so much for listening to Doers today. I absolutely love the opportunity to sit down with people who are doing what they love and find out how they did that and what they learned and how they learned in order to get to where they are today. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I do. I'm looking forward to doing plenty of them in the future. If you can, if you're listening to this on the podcast app or on iTunes, if you can go give it a rating, I'd really appreciate that. The more ratings we get, the more listeners we'll get and the more interesting interviews we'll be able to get. You can reach out to me at zack at slayback.xyz. If you have any recommendations for who you'd like to see interviewed on the show, shoot me an email, zack, at slayback.xyz. And any questions you might have, I'm free and happy to answer them there. You can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Twitter as well. So please go give the show a rating, share it with your friends, shoot it around, and be sure to check in for next week. Thanks so much.